This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like really what you're listening to, go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. This is take two. We're interrupted by a million things, including children and calls and who yep. knows. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but because we have such a gazillion things to talk about, I figured let me start off with this one Wait. in Arkansas. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, I wanted to like sort of give you perspective because when we started recording at 4.30, I just finished work. I just poured a glass of wine. I was feeling great. Now that it's three hours later, yeah, um, I've had a chimichanga, which is basically just fried melted cheese in a, in a quesadilla or a, quesadilla, like a, a, a tortilla. Um, I've only had like one glass of wine, so I'm still good on that front, but I feel like my energy levels are weighed, weighted down by saturated fat. So if I feel like uninterested in what you're talking about, it's cause I deeply am. I see. I have two kids that are going to pop in at any second. So we're going to finish this before oh they God, realize I'm downstairs. To to me. They, they will never talk period. They'll just scream and cause mass chaos. Um, but let's talk about Arkansas first. So this okay. is what I was starting to tell you about back in the before times. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll cut to the chase here since we started discussing this earlier. But basically, this weird thing happened this week where, if you don't remember, there is a Ten Commandments monument outside the Arkansas State Capitol. Mm-hmm. It was put up there by this state senator, Jason Rapert. Years ago, it's in the middle of a lawsuit uh, the Satanic Temple wanted to put their own statue of Baphomet up there, and the legislature said no, and that's also part of the lawsuit. So this guy put it up there. Uh, that's part one of the story. That's old. Part two of the story is that in the past couple of weeks, Rapert has actually been one of the few Republicans I've seen very good about mask wearing personally like he'll post photos on Facebook of him wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. He'll tell people you should wear a mask. At the same time, when his governor, Republican governor, said, let's have a mask mandate for the state, Rapert was like, no, bad idea. You should let people choose to wear a mask, which defeats the purpose of mask wearing. I mean, it's the same reason we don't choose to let people get vaccines or not. It's right. fucking Just useless. It. Yeah. Right. It's we, useless we, unless everybody does it. And usually the people not wearing a mask are the ones spreading this stuff too, I would imagine, because you're the irresponsible ones. Right. Um. So that was... And then uh, he also started spreading on Facebook like articles about how the response to COVID, like shutting down everything, quarantining forever is so overboard that the article he shared even called the response a hoax. Hmm. So that was the thing. I'm like, why? 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 If anything, we're not doing enough. And we're the only people in the world who know, who don't know we're not doing enough. Right. Like every other country is like, what the hell is wrong with the US? It's like, well, look at the Republicans. Anyway, so that's part two. Uh, Part two and a half is that then he got COVID. This, like, last week, he got COVID. He was in the hospital. He actually went in for pneumonia, tested positive for COVID, but he's recovering. So that's part two and a half. And then part three happened this week, which is bringing this all together, which is that we got word from a local news outlet called the Arkansas Times that the Capitol Police had caught four women earlier this month anointing the Ten Commandments monument with olive oil. Which seems harmless on the surface. That's like praying, right? Like if you want to yeah. do it, you can I do it. It's a waste of olive oil, but like it's a waste you know, of olive oil. Do we have to whatever. do? Yeah. Now the problem is when you pour olive oil over stuff, it causes damage because it's not easy to clean up. It's not water. Like it's not blessing the thing with drops of water that'll dry up. It's olive oil. It won't go away. So they actually may have had to charge people to clean it up. So anyway, the Capitol Police sees this happening. Mm-hmm. He writes up the women, the cop does, and basically says, I'm going to let my higher-ups decide whether you need to be charged with anything or not. And the higher-ups all said, no, we're not going to pursue this because, like, wh- why bother? You know, you're you're not hurting anybody. You're not trying to cause any damage. Mm-hmm. So they let it go. So all of this happened. And I was very curious, what does Jason Rapert think about all this? Because it's his monument. Right. And I wonder, because they're his own Christian people doing this thing, I wondered, would he be okay with this? What if they did cause damage? Would he be mad about that? Or would he be like, whatever, not a big deal? And if they did, who's 
legally liable in addition to, yeah. like, in his Who's opinion, morally. Cleanup. Yeah. And what if Satanists did the same thing? We're, we're using olive oil to, like, curse it. They wouldn't mm-hmm. do that. But I'm saying if they did, like, I assume he would be pissed. Mm-hmm. But if it's Christians doing it to bless it, what? Now it's okay. It's all symbolic, right? Right. So I reached out to him. I do that often. I might say, hey, Raper, like, what do you think about this article? Because I'm writing it about you and you look really bad. Do you have any comment? And I here's what I wrote. I'm going to read you literally what I wrote. Hey there to him. Hope you're back home and feeling better. If you have any comment about the women who are anointing the monument, is that a thing you're okay with? Please let me know. Thinking I was not going to hear back from him, but I did my duty. I let him have a chance to respond. He knew I would include his response if he responded. And so you can put in the Jason Raper was, you know, re- I reached, reached out, out to him. He didn't, he hasn't gotten back as a time, you know, you, exactly. you covered your ass is what I we're covered doing. My ass. So here's what he wrote back. And I, after getting an automated message that I expected, I actually got a real response back from him, which I did not expect. I'll read it to you in full. I am not okay with your baloney article trying to say I said COVID-19 was a hoax, you little liar. I never said that. Which, by the way, interruption here, I did not say he called it a hoax. I I said he was good. He was wearing a mask. Yay, I did say he posted an article calling the response a hoax. That's legit. I got the screenshots. Uh Anyway, continuing. I never said that. I have worn masks, urged masks, and urged common sense for months. You and your little demon buddies were responsible for tons of messages wishing me to die while fighting in the hospital, you little jerk. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. If I were a Democrat, it would be national news for the outrage at you and your ilk wishing me to die while I am battling a deadly disease. Don't you ever contact me again for anything, you little scumbag. To which I responded, not accurate, but okay then. To which he responds, you crossed a line that you will regret. I am outing all of you. What? I'm okay. What do you think he's going to out me with? Is he going to tell people we're atheists? Yeah. And it's truly wild because I don't understand what he's, like you said, I don't understand what he's threatening you with because... It's not like you are writing on some like underground forum or under a pseudonym or something like that. Like your shit is under your name. And so you stand behind everything. Yeah. Um, And also you could see what I wrote. I'm not, I always make very clear, especially when writing about him. And I think my tone reflects it. You shouldn't say mean things to other people on Facebook. Dottie knows it. You shouldn't say mean things to other people. Don't, send them death threats i would think my own tone sets the ground rules for that um so i don't know what people are doing i don't know why i'm responsible for what yeah. crazy people do and, and i will say i think there is some i want to say responsibility but like definitely if people are being assholes in your name to carry on yeah. your message you definitely have at least at some point you should say like hey guys could you super not but like unless these people are like you should not hashtag friendly atheist yeah. or like hashtag Hemant sent me, which we should definitely get trending. <laughs> <laughs> which never happens. So I don't. Okay. So anyway, a couple days ago, uh, or actually yesterday, I think we found out that the Capitol Police got their own people to try to clean up the olive oil, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't clean it up, so they had to hire an outside company to clean the monument. And they got an invoice from the company that was charged with doing it. The uh-huh. company sent them an estimate of this is what we think it'll cost you. That amount, $850. Dottie gets it. $850 to clean this thing. And here's what that includes. Clean the granite with chemicals to remove oil stains. Pressure wash the monument with hot water and light pressure. And that's 850 bucks. You know who's paying for that? It's not Alabama? just tax Where are they? Arkansas. Arkansas. Well, what the Secretary of State's office says is once the monument went up outside the Capitol, it's our property, state's property. Mm-hmm. But whoever paid for the monument to go up had to pay a certain percent, I'm quoting here, a certain percentage of funds to the state toward a maintenance fund. So if okay. the monument cost $26,000, a 10% maintenance fee would be 2600 
that would cover the damage. But mm-hmm. technically, that's money that belongs to the taxpayers that could be used for other stuff. Mm-hmm. Technically, it's taxpayer money. I still kind of want to know what Jason Raper thinks about all this. Yeah, I mean, I... I feel like what I want to happen next is for you to reach out and say, I can't believe I won't. I'm not. I mean, he does not seem open to conversation, but like, I want you to reach out and say, or I want you to be able to say to him, like, it fucking sucks that you got death threats while you were sick. Let me know if anybody said this in my name, let me know so I can address it. That would be a great thing. Yeah. If not, you're just probably lying. And keep in mind, this is a guy who has said repeatedly he wants to run for lieutenant governor in 2022 uh, with Sarah Huckabee Sanders, theoretically, as governor. Like The real dynamic duo there. His, I know. His, I, I'm more shocked that a state senator, who knows full well I will take screenshots of the stupid stuff he sends me, right. is like threatening a blogger who dares to quote him directly and point out stupid things he does. Yeah, and like, not to undermine who you are as a journalist, but like, you're not writing for the New York fucking Times. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you have better shit to do. <laughs> Remember that like Jerry Falwell Jr. like did send basically threats to a New York Times reporter. They don't care. They think they are just immune, maybe because they're Christian, maybe they're in a Republican majority of some sort, but yikes. Mm. Um. Okay, Before we started recording 17 hours earlier, I was telling you, like, I need to postpone because something's going on right now. Let's talk about this because it just happened before we recorded. Oh, yeah. Here's here's the backstory about this one to make sense of what happened. There is an atheist named uh, Robert M. Price, Dr. Robert M. Price. And if you know anything about him, if you're an atheist, it's probably because he's one of the more outspoken mythicists which is to say he believes that even a historical Jesus, not a supernatural miracle doing Jesus, but even an actual person of Jesus, he says, did not exist. Oh, and yeah, that, that. Makes, him, makes him in the minority, uh, even among people who study this stuff. But okay, whatever. Like, that's one of those things where it's like, all right, you have your... Like, I don't he's in the min- minority, but it's not like a fringe thing. I've heard people who... Right. At the very Um, most, say it's almost impossible to prove whether this person actually existed or not. Yeah. So that's what he's known for. He's written books about it. He's also written um, anti-apologetic books. So like you've heard of The Case for Christ, Lee Strobel's Mm -hmm. book. He's Mm -hmm. written The Case Against The Case for Christ. He's written books like that. Um, That's kind of how I came to know of him. And then here's the other reasons I came to know of him in... He's always been conservative, which isn't that weird. But in 2016, he went all in for Trump yeah, like yeah, yeah. before he was elected. Say, like we even did an interview with him on Friendly Atheist. And we're like, so, OK, why? What's wrong with all these other candidates? I'll just quote one thing. Hillary Clinton is a pathological liar and a felon. Like, OK, so that's you're one of them. Got it. OK, cool. So we're operating <laughs> in different realities then. Yeah. Good to know. We can move forward and with that understanding. That was 2017. That was 2016. In 2017, he joined the board of Republican Atheists, that tiny group that we have spoken about a couple times. Oh, yeah. But OK, so he's a board member there. He's also continued to write for Free Inquiry, which is a magazine that's been around for decades, published by the Center for Inquiry. I think his last article that I've seen for them was written last year. Uh, And I think for a couple of years, he even hosted their podcast, Point of Inquiry. So, like, my point in bringing this all up is he's not some random fringy atheist. He's a guy who kind of has footprints in different parts of our community, whether we like it or not. Mm -hmm. Like, he has been doing this stuff for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is why I feel like even though the story I want to tell you isn't about atheism, it matters because he's an atheist. Parallel to atheism. Yeah. So anyway, it turns out one of his other hobbies that he's been doing forever is he's very much into like, uh, it's not sci-fi, but it's more fantasy fiction, short oh, okay. stories, H.P. Lovecraft, Cthulhu, all that he, sort of stuff. He writes fantasy? He has written some, but okay. also like on Wikipedia, it says he is a major figure in H.P. Lovecraft scholarship. Really? That's kind Cthulhu of interesting. Guy. Yeah. Which is one of those like, yeah, all right, not I my thing. I him about Cthulhu. Right. So he, I guess, in the late 1970s, there was a small anthology series where they published several stories, fantasy stories. Uh, It was called Flashing Swords. 
and it deals with like I'm this is not my genre so I'm trying to make sense of this but it's like fictional stories about like bulky he-men trying to save the damsel but like I Flash Gordon comes to mind that sort of genre of stuff sure sure god I hope I'm not wrong about that I mean but that's Whatever. That was the thing. I guess some guy put out a series of six anthologies of this stuff, and it was very popular amongst that crowd in the late 70s. So Robert Price decided, you know what? I like that genre. I like these stories. I'm going to resurrect that uh, series. So actually, this week, he put out an anthology series called Flashing Swords, like issue six or seven, because that's picking up where they left off. And it has like 10 stories in it. Uh, You can be the judge of whether they're any good or not, but they're in there. Mm -hmm. So I guess this is what happened. They published, like, they must have asked these authors, can we use your story in this anthology? They all said, yes, fine. We're happy to be part of this anthology. We admire the origins it came from. Mm -hmm. So if you're resurrecting that series, sure, we'll be a part of it. None of them knew kind of who the other authors were. And mm-hmm. none of them got a chance to look at the final product before it went up on Amazon this week. But it turns out Robert Price wrote the introduction for okay. this anthology. And so on Amazon, if you go look up this book, you know how they have that look inside option? Uh-huh. If you click on it, you can see a couple pages of the introduction. And so all these authors who are in this book start looking at this introduction and they're like, what? the hell is this Hmm. because they never saw this in advance let me read you some of what's in this introduction um he's talking about like the feminization of society okay i'm quoting robert price here the continuous false rape accusations serve the same end seeking to make masculinity even the natural male interest in women into a quote rape culture of course, oh. of course, such wolf crying works against women because soon it'll become habitual to dismiss every rape accusation as the shrill lying of yet another Lena Dunham. Yeah, soon. That <laughs> definitely has never happened before. No, never. Um, it goes on. I'm skipping down to the page, but uh, he also says... What's this called again? I want to look it up. <laughs> this is Flashing Swords. Flashing Swords. It's the name of the book. Uh, let me t- read you the end of this page. Yeah. In some schools, boys are encouraged to play with dolls, girls with trucks. Many progressives, in quotes, want to replace he, she, his, her, him with gender-neutral language so as to promote the illusion that gender is a matter of social construction. No wonder we are observing a sudden epidemic of transgendered youth. Oh, boy. I'll stop there. This is just one page of the introduction. And oh, none of the authors in boy. this collection saw it until it's up on Amazon. And they can all see like, oh, this is how you're intro- introducing our stories, which, by the way, have nothing to do with the stuff he's writing. Right. Like they wrote these fantasy, escapist, fiction, short stories. And it's introduced to them like, let me tell you why I hate women and trans people. So... In the past 24 hours alone, a handful of the authors have already publicly said, I don't want my story in this book. Yeah. I, out. I know it's too late, but I don't want to be a part of this. Here's one of them. His name is uh, Cliff Biggers. He wrote one of the stories in the book. I have requested that my name and story be removed from the anthology, and I cannot recommend that anyone buy the book. Here is another guy, uh, Frank uh, Schildener, who said... As he learned of the introduction, I felt sick to my stomach. I wrote and requested my name and story be removed from the book. Another guy said, look, whether I agree or disagree, I do not believe in political screeds prefacing my story. If I want politics in my story, I will put them there myself. (laughs) Um, I should say the book, according to the publisher, who is not Robert Price, the publisher says, fine, we are delisting the book People won't, I, I assume that means we you won't be able to buy it. Yeah, I can't um, even find the look good. inside so on Amazon. When I was looking earlier today, it was still up on Amazon, but he now says he has delisted the book. Um, but it was like, holy crap, this, I mean, it's one thing to have these personal views about Trump, which, all right, I think you're insane, but okay. But then to thrust that into a collection that other people are involved with where you're not just representing yourself, 
that is, uh, I mean, striking. So it still has, so the listing is down. It just, like, I couldn't find it when I was doing a search on Amazon, but I found a link and it says out of print, so you can't buy it. So I can't see <laughs> yeah. the um, the forward. But I scrolled down to the reviews because I'm an asshole. Uh-huh. It, it has like three three stars. Yeah, about okay. two and a half stars. Oh, that's higher than what it was this afternoon. Well, there's three reviews that are listed. One is two are about um, the forward. So, uh-huh. you know, I canceled after being made aware of it. This is disgusting, over-the-hill woman hater. And then... El Gusano stepped in <laughs> and said, I have bought very little fantasy or science fiction over the past years, but after someone showed me the forward to this one, I decided to order it, even if it is overpriced. A breath of fresh air to see someone who knows what fantasy is about doing something. Five stars. I don't what? understand what that means. Fantasy is about doing something? What the actual fuck? Oh, no. I have no idea. But... um. Is it fun? That's going to yeah. ruin my my Amazon search for the rest of time, but that's fine. You want to talk about something more fun? Yeah. Demon sex. Oh, okay. boy. I, I can't believe this is a thing, but uh, basically the story here is Donald Trump retweeted a video uh, of basically a handful of right-wing doctors, and I use that term loosely, basically arguing that the COVID response is overblown. Mm. Uh, one of the doctors in particular, her name is Stella Emanuel. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, I'm reading this from the Daily Beast because they said she was basically saying, I give hydroxychloroquine to my patients and they're all fine. It's been helpful for me in dealing with COVID, which is weird because on paper, she's a pediatrician and she's like, a primary care doctor. She's not the sort of person I would think would be with COVID patients. Um, But anyway, here's what the Daily Beast said when they looked into who is this person. Emmanuel, a pediatrician and a religious minister, has a history of making bizarre claims about medical topics and other issues. Mm -hmm. She has often claimed that gynecological problems like cysts and endometriosis are in fact caused by people having sex in their dreams with demons and witches. Oh, you hate to hear it. I know. She alleges alien DNA is currently used in medical treatments and that scientists are cooking up a vaccine to prevent people from being religious. And she also said the government is run in part, not by humans, but by reptilians and other aliens. I... This is the person Donald Trump is promoting as a doctor we should all be listening to because Anthony Fauci is apparently too weird for him. And by the way, after this story went up and Facebook basically started pulling down that video and other social media outlets pulled it down, Stella Emanuel posted on uh, on Twitter, hello, Facebook, (laughs) back my profile page and videos. Or your computers will start crashing until you do. You are not bigger than God. I promise you, if my page is not back up, Facebook will be down in Jesus' name. Facebook, two words, lowercase. Yes. Which, by the way, if you could take down Facebook, you would be doing everyone a favor, to be honest. But Mm. it didn't happen. Is this woman... I Like, these just sound like the ramblings of somebody who is mentally ill like this does not sound like a person who has their ducks in a row so to speak every time i hear that part of me wants to agree and then part of me thinks there's no evidence of her having any sort of mental illness or anything like that so i don't want to give her that out as far as i can tell she is a working doctor who is allowed in a hospital Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, the event she was a part of was backed by a right-wing group called Tea Party Patriots. Oh, that sounds um, familiar. Remember yeah. when those guys were the big bads? <laughs> the good old days. Um, but again, the, the issue is not that a handful of doctors think crazy things. It's that the president is promoting this stuff. And what's weird to me is I don't, there's a handful of, well, not a handful, there's too many Right-wing people who will be like, listen to this group of doctors. Look at the pandemic video. Here's one doctor saying, like, it's all a hoax or whatever. They're so willing to listen to one doctor who says what they want to hear. 
But when all these other ones are like, no, none of that's true. I'm an expert. I study this for a living. They're all like, what do you know? You're part of the grift. It's it's truly compartmentalizing in the wildest way that when the entire medical community agrees on something, it's this huge, like to them, it's more likely that the entire medical community of the entire world is in cahoots rather than like a couple fringe kooks vaccines work the same way like every doctor's fine with it there's a couple of them who say stupid things Mm -hmm. um and then throw in jenny mccarthy or something and they'll be like yep see told you someone someone knows someone yeah like they dismiss any science unless it backs up their specific niche right idea it's just it's so it's so frustrating because it's like they take they take science and all of its glory and just pervert it by cherry picking. And like, it's just its not how any of this works. It's very frustrating, but like, I don't know. This woman is a scary. She's and a, of course she's quickly become like a right wing hero. Oh, of course. And she's a person of color. Um, yeah. she, was, so therefore she got Trump a medical degree racist. in Nigeria. And so they, I mean, yeah, the right wing, like we're going to talk about, um, Herman Cain soon, they love to grab onto like a person of color as their, I mean, it's the exact same thing as as the, um, as the science thing, right? Like all the scientists agree on one thing, but this scientist agrees with me. So they're one of the good ones. And the same thing, like all the people of color are Democrats and we find like six black people and we're like, fuck yeah, diverse as fuck. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And those are the only black people who matter to Trump. Like, look, it's Omarosa and Herman Cain. They like me. See, black people love Trump. Yeah, she's a registered physician in Texas. Um, Shepard's medical clinical out of a strip mall next to her church, Firepower Ministries. Um, and she has a GoFundMe legal defense fund, which went from $90 to $1,616. Right, right, right. So oh. she's, oh, this is what the legal thing. She claims without offering any proof that members of a Houston networking group for women physicians are scheming to take her medical license away over her support for hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, good, fine. Take her medical license away. Like that Which doesn't feel like a legal thing, does it? Is that a legal thing or is that like a board thing? Uh, they can take away her medical license if she's providing incorrect like if she's telling people to take stuff they shouldn't be taking. That could be a serious problem, but I as far as I can tell, the the medical uh, licensing board hasn't done anything yet. Maybe yeah. that's changed, but I haven't seen anything yet. Heaven, I see children in your room. There are no children. They do they want to say hi shortly. to me? They do not. Hi, buddy. They're giving you, you a glare. A long time, I miss you. <laughs> uh, let's talk about how Jesus is white. Did you know this? <laughs> that was. <laughs> That so got them out of the I house. Heard back. The- I wasn't ready for- <laughs> you you must be. This is coming from Eric Metaxas, who is a Christian author. And <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, that just I wouldn't have me so off guard. I wouldn't have brought it up except it comes from a guy who works for Jerry Falwell the right-wing think tank at Liberty University's campus. Mm -hmm. It's a guy who just is only known for saying dumb things, but he's known as like the Christian intellectual for reasons I still haven't figured out. But here's what someone pointed out. There is a book called, uh, I don't know if it's White Privilege or Deconstructing White Privilege by Robin DiAngelo. But the United Methodist Church has basically asked the author to produce a series of videos. Basically, let's teach people in the United Methodist Church. Are you thinking of white fragility? It's not that one. But uh, they're asking, the church is asking this person, make a series of videos so we can teach our members about white privilege. Fine. Good. Here's what Eric Metaxas responded with. And see if you could follow his logic here. Jesus was white. Did he have white privilege, even though he was entirely without sin? Is the United Methodist Church covering that? I think it could be important. His argument here is that Jesus was obviously without sin. That's the whole point of Jesus. He was perfect. They shouldn't have crucified him. He died for our sins because he was blameless. But he was white. And if he was white, then he had white privilege. That would have been a sin. So if you say white privilege exists, 
then you're basically trashing Jesus. Therefore, racism is actually a hoax, checkmate, atheist. I don't, okay. something like that. Okay. Did you, did you follow that? Okay. I am obsessed with this. This is my new favorite thing. So we're starting off with the premise that Jesus is white, which is a yeah, wild that's the assertion. starting starting premise. Jesus is white. What a wild start! Like, Did do we... they know where Bethlehem is? Like, have they seen <laughs> maps? Yeah. Okay. Someone someone responded. That. Someone responded. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. His name was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. <laughs> I just. Someone else responded, Eric, have you ever seen a human from the Middle East? (laughs) Okay, so wait, I want to keep, I just want to just really dive down in this rabbit hole because I think I need that this week. Um, Okay, so, (laughs) so he was, he, could you read it again? I'm so sorry. I just, this is really important to me. Jesus was white. Did he have white privilege, even though he was entirely without sin? Okay, that, I don't understand that sentence. That's why I couldn't repeat it because I don't understand. Like, I think he's just line. saying the whole Christian is Christianity is premised on the idea that Jesus was blameless. But, he had nothing wrong with him. Oh, so, so if he was white, then some people are saying white people all have white privilege. And if Jesus had white privilege, he was doing something wrong, Metaxas seems to think. Okay, so he not only doesn't understand what race is, but he doesn't understand what white privilege is, too? No, right, because the whole point of white privilege is it's not, like, a bad thing. Just acknowledge that you have it. It's not something you can control or choose. It's just one of those things that people of color are like, you should understand that of all the things that can hold you back, Being white probably isn't one of them. Yeah, whether or not a cab picks you up based on your skin color isn't necessarily a reflection of your, like, moral superiority or inferiority. It's just how racism works. Okay. (laughs) So he's dismissing the idea of white privilege. And all based on Jesus. Put this one down, my dude. I think I'm Christian now. I don't know what to tell you, man. Oh fuck, that's funny. Okay. If, if you ever, if you want a definition of what it means to get ratioed on Twitter, this tweet did the trick. Oh, buddy. Because oh even Christians God, were like, mm. I genuinely like the thing that used to be a fun meme was when people would have pictures of you and McGregor and Obi Wan <laughs> Kenobi and say that it's Jesus, and the new one is a, a close up picture of Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye, who has like long brown wit. He looks not yeah. unlike a Leonardo Di- DiCaprio, yikes, Da Vinci <laughs> depiction of Jesus. Right. And, and so it's like a close up on his face. It's a beautiful picture, and it's like, I bet everybody's too ashamed to put this picture of Jesus on their wall. <laughs> and like, Jonathan Van Ness is like, gender fluid, like they're just like not exactly a Christian. Uh, oh man person that they tend to gather around it anyway, led to a whole bunch of articles about people trying to explain how we know jesus even a fictional jesus was not white <laughs> right I, there's a meme of jesus talking to a group of people and it says so there i was the only white guy in jerusalem <laughs> yesterday my husband sent me over you know when they do those things on like whatever discovery shows when they're like, um, you know, an anthropomorphic sculptor recreated what we think this fictional person, yes. or this historical yeah. figure looked like my, uh, Mikey sent one to me and it was just a picture of Jason Manzukas, who is a comedian and actor and is genuinely one of my favorite people in the entire world. And he's, he's Greek. So he's no. just got like a lot of dark curly hair and he's fucking hysterical and very loud and very crass. Um, if you knew who Jason Manzoukas was, that would be so funny, Hemant. I'll take your word and on so that. So you're just leaving me dangling talking totally. about Jason Manzoukas. Maybe this will get back to me and he'll be my friend. Yes, that's how this will. <sighs> Robert Price will be my friend. <laughs> um, <laughs> can I do one? Yes, please. Okay. Last week we talked about Tom Cotton. I don't remember why, but it was Tom bad. Tom Cotton... Uh, Oh, God, I don't know. Oh, it's about the 1619 uh, right. We shouldn't be teaching it, and I'm going to pass a bill to make sure no students yes. are taught this yes, in school. Yes, that's it. Because I saw him... <laughs> um, I saw him trending again, and I assumed it was all about the same thing. Um, and he... 
didn't, but so it's a new thing. So he said he believes that slavery needs to be taught this certain way. And he said, we have to quote, we have to study the history of slavery and its role and impact on the development of our country because otherwise we can't understand our country. True. So far, as the founding father said, it was a necessary evil upon which the union was built, but the union was built in a way, as Lincoln said, to put slavery on the course to its ultimate extinction. Can you think of a worse reading of American history than the founding fathers understood slavery was bad, but set it on the course so that in a hundred years, a war would be fought, the bloodiest war on American like soil, <laughs> and then they get freed. But de- but not but Lincoln didn't even like Lincoln wanted to free the slaves. He defo didn't believe in like equal rights for black people. Like it's just such a specious argument based on garb. It's like he read a child's book about <laughs> about how the founding fathers were when they're all like cartoons, and it's like, hey, yeah, no, this is a pretty nuanced understanding. All those founding fathers hated slavery. They just knew they needed it for the sake of the country. Necessary evil. Like I think his response to that, people were like, Tom Cotton said slavery was a necessary evil. And his response is, I didn't say that, you lying fake news. He said, I'm quoting the founding fathers who called it a necessary evil. And everyone's like, yeah, you quoted it like they were right. (laughs) Like it's the same thing. Oh my God. Whatever you were quoting, you were offering approval of what they said as if that's a legit interpretation of what was going on. And honestly, it wasn't a necessary evil. It was evil. (laughs) We chose it. This is the kind of like logical fallacy, the kind of appeal to authority that makes me fucking bananas crazy. It is the idea that our founding fathers were all knowing and infallible and set a perfect thing in motion that is still going to this day when like listen if you've seen Hamilton you understand like how shitty that shit is like I I don't like I I just it's very frustrating and it's not to say that they didn't do a lot of good and didn't do a lot of important work but to pretend that they were flawless is not only intellectually dishonest but dangerous because that means every opinion they have we assume they knew best so fucking george washington owning slaves well he's a founding father so we can't say anything bad about him so i guess slavery is good again is that what we're doing now is that where we're gonna go and again the response that i've heard from liberals progressives all that stuff is we're not trying to erase them we appreciate the contributions but let's not for let's not pretend these people were perfect let's let's acknowledge their flaws where they existed, not erasing history, not getting rid of history. And but- contextualizing history is essential. It's absolutely essential. Like it's because we all know that the, that history is told by the victors. Right. And so guess what? There weren't a lot of victors in slavery. And the ones we have heard mm-hmm. of were Harriet Tubman. And so just to pretend that, that history is like objective and without nuance is so fucking dangerous. And it just paves the way for non-critical thinking. Yeah. I don't disagree at all. What? Let's talk about Herman Cain and all that stuff while we're here. Um, So Herman Cain, former presidential uh, candidate, a guy who I've seen some people describe as, describe him as a guy who sort of paved the way for Trump saying he was a businessman who had no political experience, but his whole thing was just let me be me. I'm Mm going to just talk to people, play it straight. Mm -hmm. And everyone was like, you have no idea what you're doing and you or your ideas are horrible. Uh, And then eventually he fizzled out, Mm -hmm. but Trump did it. Fizzled out amid sexual allegations. Oh uh, yeah, allegations. I I almost feel bad in saying there were a couple uh, allegations of misconduct. I don't think they were the same. It's not like Harvey Weinstein type of stuff, but they were allegations. But I don't think that's what did him in. I think he was just not the best candidate that they had. Was that 2016 or 2012? Maybe. Uh, uh I 2016 was Herman Cain. Okay, he was in the mix then. Like, yeah. yeah 
it wasn't the sexual allegations, misconduct allegations that did him in. I thought he just fizzled out because Trump is sucking the energy out of everybody. And they just like Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio more. Um, but anyway, he went to the Trump rally a couple of weeks ago, the one in Tulsa, the one where he couldn't walk down a ramp. Was that the same one or is that a different one? But the one that was in a small, he was complaining about the attendance. Um, it's the Tulsa one. That the was, Tulsa the, one. was the, ra- the ramp one. Right. Uh, but yeah, it was the Tulsa one. And Herman Cain was there. And then next thing you know, he got COVID. Next thing you know, he's in the hospital. Next thing you know, he's dead. Well, not only did, just to like, add more layers onto this. It's not just that Herman Cain got COVID. Everybody who went to that rally and got tested afterward was positive. For a while, there was a 100% positivity rate in people who went to that. And like, obviously- And got tested, yeah. Yeah, obviously it's only the people who got tested, so whatever. But like, this isn't bad luck. He, you know, touched the wrong handrail. This is, he went to a place where everybody got sick around him and he's a cancer. Sur- he was a cancer survivor. He's, you know, in his seventies or something like that. Like you, ha- I don't know why baby boomers think they haven't grown old, but like y'all have, and you have to deal with it. Yeah. He's also very much his social media, even as he's in the hospital was very anti-mask. Like, I don't oh, know. Yeah. I, I saw some after he died, there were a bunch of headlines like Herman Cain, who attended Trump rally without a mask mm-hmm. uh, and got COVID, dies of COVID or whatever. And there were conservatives who were like, how dare you take a man whose life was, you know, he was a businessman who created Godfather's Pizza. He ran for president. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing you're focusing on. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that's kind of the only thing that was important when it came to his death. Yeah, it's the, the fact that he him. was so bad at like listening to people who he needed to listen to that he arguably, cause it's not, we don't know for sure that it's the Tulsa thing that did it, mm-hmm. but like he arguably died cause he listened to the dumbest possible people. And not um, only that along the way, he put people in danger, not only those he was yeah. around before he got diagnosed, but also the people who he like, like you said, he was tweeting or somebody was tweeting on his behalf while he was ill in the hospital, still railing about and like, anti-mask shit so like i'm sorry that a man died but also like his death doesn't erase the damage that he's done and will continue to do and speaking of which louis gomert is doing the same thing right now so the texas republican who uh, basically is walking around the house of representatives in in meetings in questioning sessions without a mask he tested positive for covid and one of the more interesting things i don't have this in front of me but like one of the political reporters said after he tested positive, one of his staffers anonymously texted mm-hmm. me saying, hey, if you're going to do some follow up, you should ask, like, what is his staff doing? Are they allowed to wear masks in the office? Why are we working in the mm-hmm. office mm-hmm. when we should be elsewhere? And there are stories that Gomert went to the house the congressional gym even after he tested positive Mm -hmm. and he was around his house colleagues like this is a guy who not only calls the whole thing a hoax he has a whole history of saying that imagine the most texasy conservative dumb guy you could think of that's him is he the same guy who that anonymous tip said like he berated people on his staff for wearing masks and he forced them to come yeah to like I, i saw that that same like anonymous tip and they said we were made to come into the office and not allowed to wear masks. And he told them he had COVID in person. Yeah. 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 How bad can you fuck this up, dude? Yep. Hey everyone. I have a disease that you're catching now. (laughs) Yeah. Hold your breath now until forever. Right. Uh, So that's Gomer again. Like I don't wish him ill. I wish he would just retire or get defeated. But also, like, what the hell? How bad do you have to be to think all of this is a hoax when everyone around you when you is actively starting- have it? Yeah. I, I just honestly, this thing, and I think I've been talking about this since like fucking March, has been doing a real number on my sense of morality and my sense of right and wrong because I don't know anymore. Like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about a man who has spread has actively spread a disease and has spread misinformation, which meant that disease was spread more because of his, because of his hand. Mm -hmm. 
I don't want him to die, right? Like, that would be a bad take if I thought he deserved to get a disease. That's a terrible take. But at the same time, like, I don't know what to fucking tell you, dude. Like, what you think was going to happen? Yeah. Like, it's like if you don't know how to swim and then just dive into the ocean because somebody told you you shouldn't. Like, uh, I, j- you. If something I, happens to you, I'm not going to waste time right. being sad. But, but is that victim blaming? Is that, like, I am trying to, like, equate it to, like, well, if I got raped and somebody asked me what I was doing leading up to the rape, I would definitely think that that was bullshit. But uh, I don't know. I don't know what's the right answer. And it's very annoying. And well, like my I think COVID, unlike the suffering. example you're saying, like when it comes to COVID, we know how to prevent it. And this guy is actively trying to hurt other people. Yeah. As opposed to something bad happening to you. Right. And like this guy's eager to hurt other people. That's where he crosses a line. Mm-hmm. This isn't like always eating or like not even smoking because that could hurt other people secondhand. But like if you're doing something to hurt yourself. Right. And it's a decision you're making and it's a stupid one. I could right. say that, but that's on you. Right. Uh, this one, he's trying to hurt other people and he's acting like he's not. That's yeah. where he crosses a line for me. Uh, let me bring up, hey, we have a sponsor this week. Let me thank them really quick. Do. Uh, being, res- uh, being Reasonable is a new podcast hosted by Mark Solomon in which he invites guests to ask them about just one belief. Like, I believe in astrology, or I believe that Jesus is the savior, or I believe that we survive our deaths. And instead of just debating those guests, Mark engages in a series of questions to gauge the reliability of the belief and find out what it would take for the guest to revise that belief. The goal for him isn't to win a debate. It's to get people thinking more clearly about how they formed those beliefs in the first place using a technique commonly known as street epistemology. So if you're interested, Being Reasonable is available wherever you get your podcasts. Check it out. And fans of this show especially would probably really like it. So thank you to Mark Solomon for uh, sponsoring the show. We appreciate it. Um, Let me bring up James Dobson. He is the founder of Focus on the Family. He he was kicked out of there years ago, but he is still like their founder. He's still the chairman emeritus. And he kind of just emeritus. Emeritus. I'm sorry. Uh, He, he runs his own nonprofit. Now the James Dobson family Institute. This is one of those guys whose whole shtick before focus on the family was, let me tell you how to raise your family. Mm. Let me uh, tell you what they should be reading, what they should stay away from abstinence, only sex education, et cetera. All the stuff we associate with conservative Christianity. uh, It's, He's kind of the one of the big figures in that whole world. So this week, writing for Charisma, Christian news outlet, he basically said, every, uh, I'm going to paraphrase this, you need to vote because there's too much at stake in the upcoming election. It won't surprise you to know he's not worried about Donald Trump winning. Mm-hmm. He's worried about Joe Biden winning. Mm-hmm. But here's what some of what he says. What an ominous time this is for our 244-year-old republic. Its future hangs in the balance. The wrong cho- the wrong decision will be catastrophic. Mm-hmm. And then, because he wants to appeal to, to a real authority figure, he quotes Newt Gingrich, which is a problem in and of itself. Jesus. Who says... I thought we got rid of Newt Gingrich. Aren't we done with oh, him? Oh, yes, but he is the smartest republican, which doesn't say much for Ooh. anybody. Uh Here's Dobson speaking of Gingrich. He also warned that if we appease or ignore the violence and anarchy occurring in the streets, it might be the end of civilization as we know it. Okay. Um, And all of this is to say we need more Donald Trump. He actually listed eight things. It's typical right-wing talking points. Eight reasons you really needed to vote for Trump. And and again, he's not endorsing a candidate, quote-unquote. He's saying this is what's at stake here. The sanctity of human life. Even though Democratic presidents, uh, when they're in office, they lower the abortion rates. Yeah, but they say abortion. So that's basically, that kills like 25 babies every time you say it. (laughs) Yeah, and and Trump is putting refugee kids in cages so much for human life. Uh, Dobson also points out marriage and family is at stake. Because as we all know, Joe Biden hates your family. What? I know this is probably just rhetoric, but like, 
the person in me who needs to understand what the fuck is going on. Like, what does he think that means? Uh, He thinks that means unless we are promoting like white heterosexual parents and uh, yeah, like that's what we want. Straight marriages between church going families, a very 50s TV show esque leave it to beaver family. That's the only allowable option. Everything else is wrong. It's not what God wants for you. And then they always get squirmy when you bring up interracial couples. So I don't know. Marriage and family, like Joe Biden lost a wife to, I, what was it? Uh, And then he got remarried, but like Trump has three marriages and Newt Gingrich has Three marriages. Three marriages, like, and at least one of them had cancer when he left her. So yeah, like, where, where are you getting this marriage and family advice from? <laughs> I love that they're like, family values are important unless your family needs somebody and then get the fuck out of there. <laughs> cancer sucks. Get away from it. I know. James Dobson also brought up religious liberty is at stake, which is his way of saying Christian supremacy. He said socialism will happen because if people can Don't get health care. good time. I know the judicial system because it's not activism when they do it and Israel, which by the way, polls have shown younger people care less and less about the political nature of Israel. Like they're fine with human rights for Palestinians too. Like it matters less that we're gung ho about Israel foreign policy to young, even young Christians. Can I tell you like the Israel Palestine thing is my major blind spot in like, world religion and politics. I have no idea what the fuck is going on there. And it seems complicated and scary. And I'm focused on other things right now. (laughs) I am a legit idiot when it comes to that crap. I I don't think you're alone. And I don't think I'm the right person to try to explain it either. Oh, oh, point being, let me be clear. I did not want you to explain it to me. I'm just letting you know. (laughs) I wasn't going to try. Uh, I just want to point out, like, so he mentions all these things. If Joe Biden wins, all of this will hit the fan. It's all bad. But here's the thing that he didn't mention in the article that I feel deserves a response. In 2008, when he was still running Focus on the Family, he said all the same shit. He actually put out a letter, Focus on the Family put out a letter in 2008, before Mm -hmm. Obama, before that election. Mm -hmm. It said... It's a letter from 2012 in Obama's America. A time traveler was coming back from 2012 to tell us what had happened because Obama won. And he was telling us this before the 2008 elections. What was... How have I never heard of this? This is like when he's talking to a chair level shit. Oh my God. There were so many funny things in that letter. I don't remember this at all. I'll I'll put the link in the show notes. 2008, right? This is 2008. Okay, I was in college. I didn't know what was going on. And the whole, it just begins. What will the United States be like if Senator Obama is elected? And it goes, it lists like 36 things. It opens up, dear friends, I can hardly sing the Star Spangled Banner anymore. Um, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> like, it- <laughs> among the things, among the things he said in this letter. That's his first complaint. That's the first. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Among the many things in this list, $7 a gallon gas. Uh, Campus ministries have ceased to exist. Churches must be used for same-sex weddings. That one they got. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no one's forcing you to do anything. Oh, brother. Oh, my God. Oh, what else? I'm picking a random thing from this list. Guns. Oh, the land of the free. It is illegal for private citizens to own guns for self-defense in eight states. In his states. space, I want it to be illegal for I, all citizens I to have a gun. So if only. didn't go my, far enough my in your favorite. scenario. Number 23 on the list, Russia. As Vice President Joe Biden had predicted on October 20th, 2008, some hostile foreign countries tested President Obama in his first few months in office. The first test came from Russia. He's mad because oh, the future 2012 Christian um, says Obama didn't take Russia seriously. 
Um, oh I, my god! I did not realize that was a numerical list. How many? Oh, new, oh yes, it is. How, how many is it? Uh, thirty-six, thirty-four, thirty-four. Okay, read number twenty-nine. Number twenty-nine I just is. Do roulette with this. Budget deficit. The federal budget deficit has increased dramatically under President Obama. Did you see the front page of the Times today? Like the. Mm-hmm. Economy is the worst it's been. Yeah, but Obama, ever. but uh, Trump tweeted that um, it's the best. So <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Read um, lucky number thirteen. Thirteen, Jesus. Okay, that's Campus Ministries. They've all ceased to oh. exist. Yep, we are got that one. Did that one already. Uh, mm-hmm. Twenty-one. Twenty-one is all about Iraq. Oh. Um. Al Qaeda has Al Qaeda leaders have been emboldened by what they are calling the American defeat, and their ranks are swelling in dozens of countries. Remember that Obama killed Bin Laden. I do remember that. And then the Iran deal happened, but then Trump got in office and said, mm-hmm. "Screw it, mm-hmm. let them build nuclear weapons." Yeah, I cannot help but notice that many of his economic-based fears did not come true under Obama, and absolutely have come yeah. true under Trump. Um, number six, Fancy doctors that. and lawyers, physicians who refuse to provide artificial insemination for lesbian couples now face significant fines. Well, good. Like, Jesus Christ. Anyway. Monster. So anyway, he said all this in 2008. Then Obama came in for God, eight I'm sorry, years. I'm sorry. I know you're, but can you imagine that in this guy's worst fear, his eighth worst fear of happening out of 34, his the eighth worst thing he can imagine happening to our country. It's not a ranking. It doesn't it's fucking just matter. Let me just use this rhetoric device. <laughs> the eighth worst thing he can even picture is that doctors have to help lesbian couples start a family. That all of them. The- all it doesn't say people who specialize in that field. It says physicians who refuse to do it will lose their license. As a result, many Christian physicians have retired or left the practice of family medicine and OBGYN. So your worst case scenario is helping people. My worst case scenario tends to be humans in cages, black people getting shot in the street, you know, things with consequences that that affect humans. None of that. Like human humans, not somebody's like moral sense of superiority that's completely off base like even their worst case scenario is not even close to the shit that people are actually worried about it's so privilege it's disgusting the the amount of privilege losing off this motherfucker is infuriating me right now and now he wants more of all the stuff he warned us against so that's James (sighs) Dobbs um Hey, can we talk about what's going on kind of in our neck of the woods? Oh, sure. Uh, So, this Plains is a kind of northern suburb uh, of Chicago. Um, I think it's actually in Cook County still. Um, But all over my Facebook for the last week, I've seen these sort of big tent revival meeting posts going on. And it turns out there is a group called The Last Reformation who are hosting a Big Tent Revival um, this week. Has it happened already? This is from the 27th. Yeah, it would have already happened. But those are like several days long events. Yeah. But lots so there, of people. Oh, for the next six days, the worship meetings. Okay, so it's going on right now. It's at the Methodist campground. Um, come and join us outside. Uh, so this is the, what is his name? Uh, Torben uh, Sondergaard. He said, come and join us outside Chicago. I want to let you guys know it's going to be jam-packed in there Okay, here, okay? Oh, thanks. Great. Yes. Um, so there, I mean, that's sort of the, like, I don't know what's going to come of it, but like using the word jam-packed during <laughs> a pandemic is oh, the antithesis of what you should be saying. It's okay. Oh, my God. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. It's far enough. So, we're all going to die is what you're saying in our neck of the woods. Not if I don't leave my house, motherfuckers. That's... You show them. Yeah. Um, I have one... here to last me years. I have one last story for you here that I really want to get to. And this happened last Friday night when the baseball game... When the baseball season really picked up. One of the Mm -hmm. first games they played. But... 
one of the things Major League Baseball has been doing is, in addition to doing the national anthem, and if players want to kneel, they can kneel, is that on Friday night last week, before the national anthem took place, there was a pre-planned symbolic act in defense of Black Lives Matter. And basically everyone participated in it. Everyone took a knee and then the national anthem played and some players and coaches have their own feelings about standing for the anthem, whatever. Mm -hmm. During the Black Lives Matter part of it, uh, a player for the San Francisco Giants, a relief pitcher named Sam Coonrod, stood up. And that was weird because it's not the national anthem. This isn't about like kneeling during the anthem, which some people have weird feelings about. Mm -hmm. This is straight up, do you support black lives? Right. And everyone was kneeling, except for that one guy. And when they asked him later, why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you kneeling for black players, for black people? He said, and I'm quoting, I'm a Christian. I can't get on board with a couple of the things I've read about Black Lives Matter, how they lean toward Marxism, and said some negative things about the nuclear family. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> like, dude, what do you think people are marching for? They're not marching to ruin your family. They're not marching for Stalin or... They think black people are going to come into their homes, make parents separate, and then just like <laughs> scatter the children to the winds. Like I think when he's talking about the nuclear family thing, there's a line on like the Black Lives Matter website that says like, "Yeah, we're fine with same sex families. We support new families. Period. We don't care if they're same sex, whatever." Monsters, yeah. And I think the Marxist reference is one reference that a Black Lives Matter co-founder made several years ago in an interview. It's like, yeah, okay, the founder has some views that are controversial, whatever. That's very different from the reason people are marching. I've said that with the Women's March, too, in 2017, right Mm -hmm. before Trump got inaugurated. It's like there were people saying, well, one of the founders is Muslim and she has views I don't like. And my first response is, who the hell cares? All the people who are marching, do you think they even know who organized this thing? (laughs) No one's walking around saying, well, I listened to the founders and this is what they said and therefore I'm... No, they marched because the cause in general is what mattered to them, not because one person who started like the movement, as if these things have one person who starts the whole thing. Right. Like... It's not like their views represent everybody, even the website. I promise you, most of the people marching over the past couple of months for police brutality against it, mm-hmm. like they didn't go to Black Lives Matter websites, right? Like Do their, their website to, yeah, it doesn't. I'm fighting for black lives. I'm marching right. because I care about people of color. It's not because, well, line eight on the website said something that was weird. Like, yeah. Jesus. And for this guy to say, oh, he goes on Coonrod. I don't think I'm better than anybody. I'm just a Christian. Mm-hmm. I believe I can't mm-hmm. kneel before anything but God. Which makes me like, okay, fine. He's a Christian. He can't kneel. What does he think his teammates were kneeling for? Does he think none of them are Christian? Like, I mean, I, maybe. does any thought go through his head like, weird, all these other players are Christian, and yet they didn't see this as hypocritical? <laughs> well, they weren't Christianing, right? Um, and <laughs> yeah. On opening day, uh, the Cubs, while they were warming up, were all wearing Black Lives Matter shirts. Yeah. And Kyle Schwarber, who's a an outfielder, I think he plays left field, he was part of the 2016 World Series Cubs, yeah. was, wearing, was wearing the Black Lives Matter shirt. But he was also wearing a Fraternal Order of Police hat. And I'm not sure how those two (laughs) things reconcile. I I saw that picture and I didn't hear a clear answer from him. I think he was just like, I just want to make everyone happy. And it's like, this is not one where you could just take all sides here. Yeah, he definitely like kind of plays the role of sort of a lovable doofus. So I want to chalk it up to, (laughs) to ignorance and not oh hate, but man, somebody needs to talk to Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, before we go in the same vein, um, there is a, uh, a county in Nevada, like rural Nevada, Douglas County, it's called. And Dan Coverly, who is the uh, Douglas County Sheriff, wrote an open letter um, to the Douglas County Public Library Board of Trustees. So the sheriff wrote a letter to a library. Mm-hmm. Board. Okay. Um, and so just, so he is, and I don't want to shock you. He's anti-Black Lives Matter. 
Uh-huh. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the um, oh, because the excuse me, the library board issued a statement in support of Black Lives Matter movement, and he said, um, "quote." Due to your support of Black Lives Matter and the obvious lack of support or trust with the Douglas County Sheriff's Office, please do not feel the need to call 911 for help. I wish you luck with disturbances and lewd behavior, since those are just some of the recent calls my office has assisted you with, with you in the past. And I swear to fucking God, if there isn't a better reason to hate cops than this fucking letter did it. Really? Really, you're going to filter out the people who you help or don't help, whether or not they agree with you? Like, fuck you, dude. Like, I actively hate this guy, but if he was, like, had a heart attack on the street in front of me, I would protect him. And I'm a civilian. I barely know CPR, but I would do my best. It's your whole fucking jam to protect people, dude. Like, I saw someone say something like, do you know why everyone, like, is mad at the police, but no one has a problem with firefighters? Because firefighters just come in and do their job and leave imagine it what i thought was imagine if firefighters showed up to a house on fire and just started shooting people (laughs) (laughs) they Um, throw a match somewhere right exactly they like run in with torches like it's not big enough um oh my god okay so um, is that I have it? other stories and I don't even care anymore. I feel yeah. like I got it out of my system for an hour. <laughs> okay. Um, Where do we find you? God damn it. You beat me. Um, I'm on Twitter at Blueberry. Uh, you can also find a uh, secondary podcast that my husband and I do called Cooper Duper. It's about Twin Peaks. Um, it's an episode by episode rewatch. Um, and if you are a Patreon donor, uh, you or if you become a donor, you will find dozens of bonus episodes of Mikey and I watching movies about people being stuck together in honor of quarantine. We um, going through a whole fucking lot of those movies. Hemant, this is lasting (laughs) slightly longer than I thought it would. Um, And Hey, thank you to everybody for, uh, I got a a rush of orders um, from a lot of them from said they were from listeners. I assume the other ones were too. um, And I very, very, very much appreciate it. Of course, as soon as I got those orders, I also got a full-time job immediately. So now I have two podcasts, all of this cross-stitching to do (laughs) and a full-time job. So I am in the weeds a little bit, but it is something I appreciate more than I can possibly say that you guys, I was definitely in a very rough financial spot and you guys very, very, very much supported me when I needed it. And that means literally the entire world to me, but I'm sorry if your cross stitches are slightly late. I'm doing my best. Um, where can we find you, bud? Uh, I am at Hammond Meta on Twitter. Go to friendlyatheist.com. And if you like YouTube stuff, go to YouTube and search friendly atheist. You'll find me there too. Uh, what I've been doing over pandemic time is putting out more videos than usual. So that's how <laughs> I was I've gonna been say you were parenting your children, but what the fuck? No, nope, I haven't met them yet. One day I will. <laughs> um, 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 okay, yeah. So I thought I had something else to say, but I do not remember what it was. Is this good radio? If I keep talking, it'll come to me. That's how it. Oh works. yeah, I remember. Got it. Good job, Jessica. Nobody noticed. <laughs> Uh, if you want to email us, you can always get a hold of us at friendlyatheistpodcast at gmail dot com. We read everything y'all send in. Um, if it's mean, I probably won't respond, but I'll read it and I'll probably read it out loud to my husband and giggle a lot. Um, and then we have a merch store. If you go to friendlyatheistpodcast.com, get a shirt, get a baby onesie, get et cetera. Other things. Um, okay. That's it, bud. Talk to you next week. All right. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.